That was a turkey. <laughs> Where turkey? The full moon. <laughs> You found your way back to Making Sense of Pets, the podcast. We're your hosts, veterinary technicians Angela Ilya, Ryan Fraser, and I'm Becky Mosser. And it might be late summer, but I feel like for most of us, it might just, I'm like, is it already the end of summer? Because I feel like we're just emerging from our houses a little bit with COVID. Um, and there are a lot of late summer, early fall, um, you know, concerns for safety and um, since this is one of our favorite topics and just keeping pets safe we're kind of going to look at some of the more obscure but important uh, dangers out there lurking uh, that you may or may not have on your 2020 bingo card. Yeah and with the temperatures definitely getting warmer here in Seattle we've had the last three days have been the hottest days of the year so far Um, and what we're starting to see is blue green algae blooms. Um, and I, blue-green algae is super toxic to dogs and can cause death in them. So we want to talk about that today. Um, we definitely have a lot of mushrooms growing. And then also lepto is something that we're seeing more of. So that's our topics for today. <laughs> we have a lot. Of, we don't have... Well, we have actually... We have blue-green algae here. But I already wore a sweater to work. So I don't know how much more warm weather we have. I hope it's enough to get us through because it's going to be a long covid winter i feel like so um but we definitely have seen an uptake in uh lepto cases in the icu so we have a really big problem with with lepto here in contamination with like the rats and mice and stuff that kind of tend to hang out in the city so we've definitely seen an increase in those cases this year um and in particular over the last several months for sure I always actually, when I talk about lepto um, on the road for like Boehringer, we're talking about um, lifestyle vaccines. I think always about while I was in New York City a couple years ago doing the um, avian flu case with the cats, there was like a 31-year-old guy who died of lepto that he contracted from a soda can. And it was really, it really stood out to me because um, it made me think to myself like, we we equate it to our pets drinking out of puddles, but really, as humans, we are as much at risk of leptospirosis from rodents and the animals around us as our pets are. And then the disease itself is considered zoonotic, which means if our pets contract it, they can actually give it to us. So to me, it is one of the most important topics that we don't talk about enough in clinics. Yeah, and it's it's less common to get it from your dog, um, but more common to get it in the environment. In leptospirosis, it's worldwide, so it can be found anywhere. Um, It's found in the soil and also in the water. Um, It causes flu-like symptoms and then can cause um, damage to the liver and the kidneys. You know, when I think about lepto, the other thing I think about is years and years ago, there was a um, triathlon where it was, I believe, in Illinois or Indiana. I get the mix up a lot. Um, and they were, um, <laughs> there was a triathlon that they were swimming the the water portion in the lake, right? And there had recently been flooding. And so the flooding had kind of washed a lot of the yuck from the uh, the surrounding the lake into the lake. And every single one of the athletes contracted leptospirosis. Oh, my gosh. Uh, while they were crazy. swimming in that lake. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, uh. Really, really How terrible. dangerous, yeah. Really dangerous. Because what we, what we know is with leptospirosis, it's like it either affects you 
or it doesn't. And so, like, with your dogs, they're either, like, completely asymptomatic carriers and they're just, like, urinating leptospirosis all around (laughs) or they're, like, dying and it's really, really bad. Like, I know for me, whenever I've seen lepto come into the clinic, we are, like, we are in a bad situation and working hard to turn that around. Yeah, and I think one of the most... Um, difficult things with lepto is sometimes it takes a while I find to actually get a definitive diagnosis right so your pet comes in and they have maybe some you know general malaise maybe they're they have been kind of out of it for like a couple days Uh, maybe they haven't been eating or drinking right so this is like the early stages of the disease where your dog is kind of just starting to Um, feel uncomfortable with the presence of this virus. So we're looking at a whole bunch of stuff at that point, right, as medical professionals to try to figure out what's going on with your pet. Um, We're always going to ask you about exposure to, uh, you know, like, do you have a field and stream dog? Do you guys go off leash in the park? Or, you know, what kind of situation do you have in your yard? That kind of thing. We're always going to try to investigate. But um, sometimes we have what we call like a a snap test, which is a, a rapid fire kind of test we can perform in the ER, ICU, or in the clinic um, at your general practice. But sometimes those are negative um, and they're falsely negative or they're not testing for an early enough um, part of the viral response. Uh, So it's really kind of takes some, you know, finagling to find out that it actually is lepto and by then your dog can be potentially like really ill uh by then we usually know by symptoms that your dog is probably um lepto like suspect is what we we call it in the, in the icu right we have all these signs that say you know it may have had a negative test in the clinic but we're pretty sure that this dog is gonna you know blow up with some of these really really bad signs uh which are you know basically you go into like kidney failure um and then liver failure potentially as well and uh you need dialysis i mean these dogs are like fifty thousand dollar dogs at my clinic if they make it and a lot of them and i'm talking a lot by like you know, 70% of them like are not making it, you know, yeah. for one reason or another. Um, and they're not making the it out of the hospital. By the time we see those symptoms so severely, the liver and the kidney damage is just done. I mean, we know to see those types of changes on blood work, we already have huge damage to the organ and, yep. and loss of function before we're even starting to see abnormal values. We, yeah. we don't see abnormal values until we have actual loss of function, not pending loss of function. Yep. So by the time we're getting those definitives, those organs have been just fried because of it. And it's it's a really scary, debilitating, um, you know, expensive, like you said, Angie, disease that it's preventable one um you know by knowing the risk factors and two it's actually something that you can vaccinate your pets against so when yeah, your that's pets the are, saddest part right when you're watching an animal yes. kind of pass away from a uh like a bacterial infection essentially right yes, so yeah. it's like and knowing that man if they would have just got that whatever i don't know the 50 dollar vaccine or um you know this all could have went away or been prevented yeah and by assessing the risk factors so ryan when your clients are coming in especially i'm sure in internal med you guys are seeing these guys what do you talk to them about those risk factors and avoiding and um and and what this is going to look like for their pets to stay safe um a lot of times what we talk about is kind of where they live so do they live where there's wildlife? Do they live where there is exposure to farm animals? 
Um, and this can even be in the backyard. And just because your dog lives in the city, it doesn't mean that it's not going to get lepto. Um, raccoons can carry lepto. Um, rats can carry lepto. Um, so those definitely are risk factors for it. There's some common um, myths that are that people think too is that only large breed dogs can get lepto or only male dogs or only dogs that live outside most of the time and that's false like any any dog can get it and it can even be seen in cats it's more rare in cats um and they don't understand it as much for um cats but um but yeah, so any any animal can get it, and so I would say I would jump to preventative um, if you can do it. If there's a vaccine for it, I would recommend doing it. I mean, my, both my dogs have it. Yeah, it's like prevention is everything, right? Like it, in in like Angie said, it was very eloquently said. Like it's the saddest part when it could have been prevented, and. I love that you brought up the little dog thing, right? I cannot even tell you guys how many little dogs have come into the clinic with breeder paperwork that literally makes them sign an agreement that they will not give the lepto vaccine. It's like underlined and highlighted, you know, like it's like, I will find you and take this dog dog back and like suck the lepto bacteria out of its body and then, you know, shame you publicly for the rest of your life on social media if you prevent this disease from killing this pet at any time in its life. It's absolutely absurd. It is. But, you you know, I honestly think this is because years ago and I mean, I'm talking well before I was in veterinary medicine, right? You know, early, early. Well, you know, maybe even early in my career, but long time ago that was one of the more major vaccine reactions we saw in smaller dogs um less deadly than the vaccine or the the disease itself by all means and um it is not the same vaccine anymore and people just like have to understand that medicine advances when we see reactions we adjust medications and so now these these vaccines are incredibly safe i can't remember the last time i saw a lepto reaction especially compared to a rabies reaction yeah they can have um any vaccine can cause reactions it's not just the lepto vaccine um and the reactions of it can definitely vary. Some can be just painful in the area, and then some can have allergic reactions to it. But the lepto vaccine is not overly reactive. Yeah, and to be fair, I guess let's just say the vaccine is only approved for dogs. There is not a feline lepto vaccine that I know of. Angie, Ryan, am I wrong? No, no you're, you're not wrong. I don't think they know enough yet about how it works in cats kind of yeah. to make a vaccine, actually, maybe gonna get an update on that from Bo Ringer because I'm interested but we know we can protect dogs with a vaccine and like I know a lot of people are worried about vaccines and autism but your cats can't get autism you'll be fine (laughs) um one thing that I would recommend if you are concerned about your dog or cat having risk for vaccine is doing one vaccine at a time because that will help you figure out what vaccine is causing the reaction um, and then you can maybe do titers instead of doing vaccines or discuss kind of what the game plan would be with your vet. Yeah, yeah, I love that you said that too, because like what we know is if we go to three-year vaccines, as we do now, is once they hit to adult, you just separate them out annually and you're getting one vaccine a year and you're staying up to date. So, um, you know, I think, it, I think it makes total sense. And um, I think it's a really important condition and disease to know about and to be talking to your veterinary team about preventing 
and ensuring that you know the risk factors in in your area. And, and Ryan, I'm so glad you brought that up, too, about the wildlife. Because it's like, no matter where you are, there's mice, there's rats, there's moles. There is something that carries leptospirosis in your space. And pe- people think they are, oh, I live in the city, or I live in a high-rise, or a gated community, or, or whatever it is. And they, they Even worse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and it's really important them to know they're at risk, too. Kind of looking back on all the patients that we've treated with um, lepto, a majority of them are smaller breed dogs that I can think of. Yeah. And I, I think mean, it's because people don't vaccine or don't do the vaccine because yeah. they don't think that they're at risk. Yeah. Makes sense. All right. Let's talk about shrooms. Let's do it. <laughs> I think one of the most challenging things about mushrooms is they're so hard to identify. Um, and there's a ton of different mushrooms that can be toxic to pets. So you can have mushrooms that cause liver damage. You can have mushrooms that cause neurologic um, changes or gastrointestinal or um, kidney damage. So you just need to be careful um, with it. And the onset of signs for mushrooms can be within a minute to up to six or 12 hours later. Yeah. And then you you could and then you're like I have no idea what it was they could have gotten into right because you're not thinking that delayed response. Yeah, one of the, my most memorable cases that I had when I was working back in ER is we had a dog come in that ate a bunch of mushrooms, and as soon as it got into the clinic, it died. <gasps> um, and we were able to do CPR, bring it back. We did a lavage of the stomach, so we um, put a tube down into the stomach, and we were able to flush a bunch of mushrooms out of it, um, and the dog did well and went home and that Dang. doesn't happen very often that after does not happen very often. yeah that's crazy wow i think it's is... hard too because don't they just like they just pop up right like you're yeah you know if even if you're like checking right or you like mow your yard or like whatever people with grass do um so if you you know you're checking your yard one day like the next day you could literally have enough of a mushroom there for your dog to eat and and have a reaction that's pretty negative so um and they usually tend to eat it all the little shits so um (laughs) you know you might not even have anything oops (laughs) so sorry so so most and most of the time they tend to eat it all um so you won't might not even have a sample to take to the veterinarian to identify so that's also like a huge problem and oftentimes with the sample that you bring with for to get your dog stable a lot of times they'll just kind of push the sample to the side um and get treatment underway and then maybe come back to trying to identify the mushroom but they are hard to identify yeah, it, it's all kind of like by the time the damage, it's like, okay, well, regardless of what it is, we know what's happening right now. So we need to get in front of what we see. But I think um, you guys already brought up so many good points. Like when Angie, that, you know, that they pop up so quickly. And so it's something we need to be on top of almost daily. But that makes me kind of think again about how prevention is everything, right? And so maybe the most important thing is to know what toxic mushrooms do grow in your area. And I can't think about how many times I've been in my backyard and been like, oh, I wonder if that's toxic. And that's as far as it goes. So I really need to be a better pet owner and, and ensure I am aware of, you know, the toxic toads, the toxic mushrooms, all of the toxicities that are at risk for my pets. And that's just part of being a good pet owner. 
I really like going to the ASPCA Poison Control website, um, and that's where I get a lot of my information about what's toxic to dogs and cats or birds or whatever, um, horses even. So I would definitely, if you have pets, definitely get on that website and kind of review like what plants you have in the house, what food you have in the house that can be toxic to dogs and cats. Yeah, it's it's really important. They have a really cool app too. I don't know um, if you've seen it, but like they there's equine birds, cats, and dogs on their app that you can quickly access. And for some of the toxicities, there's actually like a calculator. Like so, for example, chocolate. You can like start doing the calculations right there, um, and they'll give you an idea. And there has to be good apps for identifying mushrooms. I don't know anybody, but there's there's that's probably like ten. Million. Somebody gonna leave a comment later but, about this, right? Would they but so send us to the best mushroom identification, please. <laughs> and so many of them look so similar to each other. Like there's just like a vein that's different, and yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, a lot yeah. of people like get messed messed up. Whew, I almost let that one fly. A lot of people get messed up <laughs> by eating the wrong kind of mushrooms. I think too, and even you know, I think like. You know, you're never supposed to eat them unless you're, like, an expert, right? So, like, how would a dog even know um, what they're doing? They're just, like, eating things, like That usual. makes me think about the next part of prevention, right, which is training. And we talked about this so long ago. But the ability for your dog to leave it, drop it, and not, you know, to listen to you when there's – and to just not be picking up things and eating them along walks and stuff like that. It's, it's a life-saving skill for your dog to be trained totally and we do there's so many different mushrooms that cause different types of things so if you go to our facebook page um i will link a good article on what mushrooms cause what Uh, you can find us on facebook at making sense of pets and you can find us on instagram at making sense of pets but that was just a good segue. That was kind of very similar to the ending. Yeah, <laughs> it was a great plug. But we're like, not oh, done yet. <laughs> no, now we're talking about blue-green algae. Yeah, and you know, I'm, I'm really glad you brought this up, Ryan, because last year blue-green algae was like a huge deal over the summer. There was tons of it everywhere. I'm in North Carolina where it's in a lot of our water. Um, and there was actually several animal deaths because of it. Yeah, we, um, like I said recently, we just had, um, like, really hot temperatures here, and I was pet setting, and we wanted to take the dogs to the lake, so I got online to try to see if there was any um, blue-green algae, because a lot of times, um, the public officials will do um, testing of the water to make sure that it's at a good level, so if you're going to go, if it's been hot, um, if you're going to go swimming with your dogs, or swimming by yourself even, um, I would make sure to watch for signs by your, the lakes that you're going to. Um, and then also, like, jump online and check. And, like, blue-green algae, I know, Angie, you said it's getting colder there, but it can it can definitely happen in any water, any fresh water that's over 75 degrees um, with temperatures outside and then it's sunny. So it still could happen over there, even though you're wearing a sweatshirt. Yeah, I mean, it definitely happens in, um, you know, the park, right? Central Park, um, Prospect Park. Like, a, we have, like, little ponds and lakes systems in a lot of our parks. And those two parks in particular have, like, off-leash, right, hours in the park. So you can have um, your dog off-leash in the park. And a lot of dogs got into trouble this past year um, by having a swim in, in the algae. And, um, 
we got to save a couple, but I'm sure we also probably lost a couple too, because I actually didn't know um, until I started doing more research about this, because we started to see more cases and there was more kind of like a rush of veterinary literature and, um, you know, like published like right away, right? When this started to kind of like happen more often. So, but the like the you can get into the water and come out of the water and pass away like like it's minutes like it's minutes it's not like maybe if you just get him to the vet like you could you could maybe not even get him out the pond right like it's so fast and i was blown away by like how fast something like an algae could kill a a dog like that like that that to me is like even a medical professional that knows like a little bit more than like the regular person um about how things work like that blew my mind and i just really was hit by like how dangerous that is and then also like you said ryan how like widespread um it is and affects literally uh every owner you know i think it started because didn't that lady maybe down south or something lose all of her dogs like at yeah once? and it was in north carolina and she yeah it was like three dogs in minutes yeah could you imagine like your whole family just like passing away from a little swim you're probably like hitting those cute pictures for instagram and then bang your whole pack is dead like that's I mean, crazy right. and it was it was it was minutes and I think a, another really important aspect of this that you guys kind of touched on, too, is the fact that, um, one, that it, it is so quick, but two, um, we need to identify the waters that it's in, so like these really stagnant waters. Like, you, if you're going to be swimming with your pet, you want to make sure that this is, like, a fresh water, that there's flow. But it's not even just, like, swimming, but be, because they can later be grooming and lick it off of their fur mm-hmm. and it be equally as deadly... It's like, no, you can't even go ankle deep in the water and just yep. kind of play around it. Yep, not your feet, you, nothing. Right. You have to be really aware of this because it is that deadly. Yeah, and people think that the, the dog has to drink the water for it to happen. Right. But just like you said, they're going to clean themselves after swimming or wading or anything like that, and that can cause it. Um, so when you go out to lakes, look for water that's kind of a pea green um, color, and there's usually some um, slime on the surface of it. Um, so keep an eye out for that. And like you said, there, you can get testing kits. You can ask the you know you can send off samples. You can um, there's actually reports online where they measure the levels and report it. Um, there's a lot of different resources. Um, better safe than sorry right if you're not sure just don't let your pet go in the water and also i just wanted to mention that i know that we talked about them like drinking the water right is bad and then licking it off their feet but they also can just get it like splashed in their eye and get or like in their ears right so like it can like i listen i did a lot of like reading about this because it's it literally blows my mind right it's like this like weird assassin thing it is like kills so quickly right and there's no treatment there's nothing you can do even if you were like literally the best doctor in the world and you like poured it on a dog in the clinic um in the middle of the icu you would have nothing to do right like you could still couldn't save it's like amazing to me like scarily amazing right so like even if you just like get that in your eye you're splashing around you're throwing the tennis ball and you drop it in the water and you pick it up and throw it for the dog like it's like Mm -hmm. any contact with any mucosa at all could potentially be fatal with the algae so just like really keep that in mind 
I don't think I've ever seen a dog survive from it that's come into the hospital. Half of the time, they're almost dead by the time yep. they get to We had us. one that I can think of, and the dog was in Central Park, and it was like a huge golden retriever, and the guy ran into the pond, like came in so soaking wet <laughs> with this dog who was soaking wet, and then threw the dog in the fountain. And so, like, there's, like, a fountain. That, you know, I'm sure you've seen photos of it, right? There's, like, yeah. a fountain, and then it, like, stares down into like the big lake where people rent rowboats and like you know wear sun hats and all that stuff so like like the guy ripped the dog out like ran into the lake was like ah ripped the dog out went into the fountain with the dog started like bathing him immediately in this thing and then like got scissors from like the the corner store and started chopping this stuff out his hair so the dog came in affected but we saved it and it still stayed like days in the hospital but that's like how immediate right it was like like, a navy seal how i mean like right i imagine like right like it's a very good propaganda to start like saying get all of this off of him what a brilliant idea yeah he was like oh this is so bad and he just was like there's a bunch of clean water right there Hero dad doing it right, yeah, and that's for how sure. you save your dog because prevention is key for this. So, yes. making sure that you're checking websites. There's a ton of websites out there that will tell you in your state where there is blue green algae blooms. Watching for signs where your dog is swimming. There's usually a sign put up um, that says, "Hey, don't swim," even for people. And then, even if there isn't a sign put up or anything like that bathing your dog after swimming so that if they are um, cleaning themselves, then they are at least cleaning themselves with clean water that doesn't have a bunch of contaminants in it. Yeah, and that's like no matter what, right? Like that's a good idea. We see that here at the beach with saltwater toxicities is just like they get um, it's just all salty in their fur and they're cleaning or they're down drinking the water <laughs> and then fur. next thing you know, they're having a toxicity. So you need to just clean your dogs when they get out of the water either way exactly yeah nobody likes a dirty dog <laughs> so why don't you send us a picture or a post on our facebook page of your dog taking a bath send us your favorite lake photos right <laughs> no but you're right Ryan. like we want to see your pets playing in safe water <laughs> and and honestly just how you guys are keeping your pets safe because we know we're talking to the best of the best pet owners out there so um you guys have great ideas and you help fill our brains with new ideas so make sure you're sharing with us and when you're out at the lake with your friends or see some other dog owners tell them about our podcast um, you can find us on um, facebook at making sense of pets and instagram and our website at makingsenseofpets.com. Dang, and you should definitely leave Ryan five stars for that f- smooth transition right? you just pulled on y'all on your favorite podcast platform. <laughs> it took me all day to think of that. Oh, my God. Ding dong, darling. Look out. Oh, my God, you guys rocked it. <laughs>